0: From Australia this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF internet streaming and text at wia.org.au
1: Hi there I'm Graham VK4 Baker Baker this is the WIA national news for week commencing May 24 2015 and balloons galore attract trackers. Launch of the solar-powered party-type balloons from Melbourne is continuing. At least one by Andy VK3YT is flying with a payload of a 25mm transmitter, giving position, speed, altitude, temperature and battery condition. These balloons are being followed flying at high altitudes by their Whisper and JT9 signals and sometimes Oliver signals on the 30 and 20 metre bands, with trackers not only in VK and ZL but throughout the world. After circumnavigating the southern hemisphere, the balloon PS41 went south towards Antarctica, then headed east to the southern end of South America. That balloon disappeared in the southern ocean around April 21 and is believed to be the first flight of its kind in the Antarctic region. PS 44, after travelling down the Victoria Mornington Peninsula, left the mainland at Cape Schnack, was last known to be in slow flight over Bass Strait. And earlier and out of sequence, PS 45 went from Melbourne westerly to Adelaide, before turning inland, heading northeast to exit at the Gold Coast in VK4. Now, as well as our usual segments this week, other than Oh knows what use an F-call... We have an extensive look at the just-held WIA AGM in Canberra, this by both Roger VK2ZRH and Brian VK3GR.
2: I'm Brian Pliatios, VK3GR, with a report on the WIA's annual general meeting. About 120 members attended the Institute's annual general meeting held over the second weekend in May. A bus tour of our national capital saw partners enjoy some of the city's highlights and they joined in with a dinner on Saturday evening. The AGM segment of the day began with a moment's silence to remember the silent keys of the past year. This was followed by the usual business reports, a financial statement and other annual general meeting formalities. With the business over, President Phil Waite, VK2ASD, went on to present the annual awards recognising the achievements attained by worthy amateurs. More about the awards in a separate bulletin in this broadcast. Once the clapping subsided, the fun began with the Open Forum – Featuring lively presentations from a variety of presenters, the forum allows WIA members to speak, comment, ask questions and make suggestions on any topic. Dale Hughes, VK1 at DSH, led the charge with a short, stimulating talk titled, The Importance of Being Involved, highlighting his advocacy work for amateur radio on behalf of the Institute at world radio conferences and many associated working party meetings. What is it they say on social media? It's complicated. The central theme of the forum this year was the 10th anniversary of the foundation licence. From a position of steady decline before 2005, the reshaping of the licence system into the advanced standard and new entry point foundation licence has seen that downward trend turned around. At the forum, each current WAA assessor who'd been with the scheme from the start was recognised with a special framed certificate to mark their 10 years of service. Further presentations across the Saturday afternoon featured a range of speakers covering the many details of assessment and education in amateur radio and the WAA's role in the system. This included one talk on special needs and remote assessments, in which the WAA has been particularly successful. To relieve the seriousness, Andrew Morsley, VK1NAM, and Simon Pearce, VK1FAAS, conveyed their passion and enthusiasm for summits on the air known as SOTA, an activity that combines bushwalking, hill climbing, and portable amateur radio. What's not to like? Simon highlighted SOTA activities as ideal for providing successful on-air experience for foundation operators. Better than calling blind into the ether with 10 watts. Paul Simmons, VK5 PAS, backed this up with an engaging presentation on the worldwide Flora and Fauna Award system that mixes amateur radio with drawing attention to the importance of protecting nature, flora and fauna. A presentation on amateur's obligations concerning their electromagnetic emissions, given by Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, drew some questions and comments from the floor. Tongue-in-cheek, Roger led the audience into chanting, What do we want? A thousand watts. When do we want it? Now. Comments and suggestions from the floor of the meeting included issues on band planning, the perennial query on license fees, in to watch activities, the handling of correspondence, membership of committees, a suggestion for plastic wallet-sized amateur licenses, donations, and club equipment insurance, amongst others. All of the issues and suggestions were logged for consideration by the board. Touched on during the forum... And at the dinner held that evening, members heard more about the ACMA being in a state of change over recent times, including the introduction of a new online digitized license handling system for all radio communication licensees, not only amateurs but broadcasters, commercial users and others. The Saturday night guest speaker at the annual dinner was Mr. Mark Loney, who heads the ACMA's Spectrum Operations and Services branch. He opened with a travelogue about his recent trip to Mongolia, studying how a third world country tackles the challenges of spectrum management. Having softened up his attentive audience, Mr Loney explained that there had been a delay in the advised shutdown of the current license system in preparation for a switchover to a new one. Apparently it was judged to be not quite ready to go live. No doubt we'll hear more about this from the ACMA in coming weeks and months. Mr. Loney went on to highlight that the current three radio communication license types now available, apparatus, spectrum and class licenses, are likely to be changed or amalgamated under a review of how the spectrum is managed here. Mr. Loney hinted at this brave new world, with many challenges likely to be waiting in the wings. The WAA board sees the coming changes as positive, has already made submissions to the review's announcement, and attended briefings and informal sessions, published reports on what's transpired so far, and is preparing to respond to the many challenges ahead. The board sincerely thanks all who helped to bring together the 2015 AGM and Open Forum, in particular Amanda Hawes, VK1WX, and members of the Canberra Amateur Radio Club. Our office staff, Mel Brooks, VK3FDSL, and Diane Ashton, VK3FDIZ the many members who turned up on the Friday night meet and greet at King O'Malley's pub and assorted bodies who assisted during the Saturday. This is Brian Pliatios, VK3GR, for VK1 WIA News.
3: This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, with news on the annual awards given out at the WIA AGM in Canberra. Presentation of the annual awards is always a highlight of the Institute's Annual General Meeting and Open Forum. As you heard on last week's broadcast, a special certificate of appreciation and a small gift was presented to WIA employee Diane Ashton, VK3FDIZ, who is retiring from the WIA exam service after nine years. The AGM audience gave her a standing ovation. Each year, the Publications Committee nominate deserving amateurs for three awards. The Al Shawsmith Award for Journalism for the Best Non-Technical Article published in Amateur Radio magazine in the calendar year. The Higginbotham Award for Service to the Amateur Radio community and the Amateur Radio Technical Award for the Best Technical Article published in Amateur Radio magazine in the calendar year. Al Shawsmith, VK4SS, was the official historian for the Queensland division of the WIA, a noted CW operator and DXer, and licensed since 1935 and a prolific writer, the Higginbotham Award is named after Ron Higginbotham, Bk3RN, who produced amateur radio magazine over many decades. The Al Shawsmith Award for 2014 was shared by Joe Gonzales, Bk3YSP, and Julie Gonzales, Bk3FOWL, for the article "The International Museums Weekend at the Melbourne Museum." published in the September 2014 issue of Amateur Radio. The 2014 Higginbotham Award went to Bill Roper, VK3BR, for his long service to the WIA of 60-plus years, in various roles associated with the production of Amateur Radio magazine and long membership of the Publications Committee. For the best technical article published in Amateur Radio magazine in 2014, the Amateur Radio Technical Award went to Dale Hughes, VK2DSH, for his article, A Networked, Automatic and Remotely Controlled MFATU, published in the May 2014 issue of Amateur Radio. One of the most prestigious awards the WIA sponsors is the Ron Wilkinson Achievement Award. Ron Wilkinson, VK3AKC, was a well-known VHF, UHF operator and home brewer over the 1950s to 1980s. He distinguished himself by making the first moon bounce contact from Australia on 1296 megs, with a huge homebrew dish and hand built transverter and kilowatt power amplifier. Hence, the award is for special achievement in any facet of amateur radio and is only available to amateurs from VK call areas. The board had great pleasure granting the 2014 Ron Wilkinson Achievement Award to David Rowe, VK5DGR for achievement in developing the Codec 2 patent-free open-source digital speech processor for amateur radio applications. Another prestigious WIA honour is the Chris Jones Award, named after the National WIA's first secretary, Chris Jones, VK2ZDD. It is awarded to radio amateurs who have made an exceptional contribution to amateur radio and the Wireless Institute of Australia. The Chris Jones Award for 2014 was presented to a surprised and humbled Jim Linton, VK3PC, who told the AGM audience he never expected to receive the award. The board introduced a new award this year, known as the Technical Excellence Award, granted where some technical excellence is demonstrated in any special aspect of amateur radio. The very first Technical Excellence Awards for 2014 were granted to Rex Monker, VK7MO, and Derek Zek, VK 6 dz for outstanding achievement in establishing a new world DX record for 10 gigahertz, exploiting tropospheric refraction across the Great Australian Bight to make contact over a distance of 2,732 kilometres. Finally, we come to President's Commendations, which are awarded in recognition of an exceptional or memorable achievement in the calendar year by an individual radio amateur club or group. There were three awarded for 2014. Paul Simmons, VK5PAS, received a President's Commendation for outstanding achievement in the Worldwide Flora and Fauna Amateur Radio Program, nationally and internationally, drawing attention to the importance of protecting nature, flora and fauna. Alan Harvey, VK3HRA, received a President's Commendation for development of the Parks and Peaks website, an online portal providing a major contribution to VK amateurs engaging in working from national and state parks, summits on the air, the worldwide flora and fauna program, and QRP activities. Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV, received a President's commendation for outstanding contribution to the WIA's ANZAC centenary commemoration 2015 in researching and writing a series of articles on Australian amateurs' wartime service involvement, published in Amateur Radio Magazine the WIA board received no nominations for life membership or for the G.A. Taylor Medal this past year. And while board members considered seeking out likely candidates, the WIA board received no nominations for life membership or for the G.A. Taylor Medal this past year. And while board members considered seeking out likely candidates, it considered there were no standout individuals during 2014. The Taylor Medal is conferred by the board irregularly and rarely in a Acknowledgement of Exceptional Voluntary Service to the WIA. The WIA board met on Sunday morning the 10th of May following the AGM and Open Forum on Saturday the 9th. The directors reappointed Phil Waite, VK2ASD, as president and a new vice president was elected. The new VP is Fred Swainston, VK3DAC. The board thanked the outgoing vice president, Chris Platt, VK5CP, for serving since 2012 particularly for his input on strategic issues and legal matters. Three hours of the four-hour board meeting was spent discussing the issues, comments and suggestions raised at the open forum, along with ongoing matters from the agenda of the April board teleconference, particularly ACMA representation and spectrum reform matters. Forum feedback on the monthly board notes emailed to all WIA-affiliated radio clubs was most appreciated by the board. The board notes provide succinct, snappy items on board actions, activities and decisions on a single page. It was a bit of a revelation to learn that some club committees thought the notes were just for them alone. The board notes are for wide distribution to club members and this will be highlighted in future newsletters. They are an initiative of Fred Swainston, VK3DAC, with the objective of maintaining regular contact with affiliated clubs and leveraging the club's connection to the grassroots amateur community. Board discussion is continuing on the reaction to holding the 2016 AGM and Open Forum on Norfolk Island. There was strong support from the initial expressions of interest recorded at the annual dinner, and there are ongoing expressions of interest being recorded via the online expression of interest form on the WIA website. As with everything, some members would prefer another location. To date, more than 100 people have registered their interest in attending an AGM weekend on Norfolk Island, with further registrations coming in daily. This has been Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News.
0: From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet, streaming, and text at wia.org.au.
1: Continuing WIA board talk, and from the WIA, VK3PC Jim Linton reports on a friendship contact between TC100GP and VI8 Anzac. The 15-metre band Anzac Weekend CUSO is but one occasion when Turkey's TC100 prefix stations and the Anzac suffixed call signs in Australia made contact. TA3CX of Team Popper, that was TC100GP, at Gallipoli later wrote, We Turks are highly respectful to our ancestors, very similar to you. Therefore, we admire the Anzac spirit. Our ancestors sleep in peace in Gallipoli together and we wish peace for the living world forever. VI8 Anzac Coordinator Stewie Birkin, VK8 NSB replied, My friend, thank you very much for activating TC100GP. I was very happy to have worked you guys on Anzac Day. It was a pleasure to have met you and this QSO will stay with me forever. Stewie, VK8 NSB, now in his 28th year with the Royal Australian Air Force, is very proud and honoured to have activated the VI8 ANZAC call sign. Meantime, a marathon VI2 ANZAC commemoration by the Manly Warringah Radio Society over seven days has ended with about 3,000 QSOs in the log. Many used the CW mode. And looking ahead, the VK100 ANZAC callsign will be activated for three days from May 30 by the Northern Tasmanian Amateur Radio Club to commemorate their local Anzacs. We do remind those that are allocated the WIA commemorative Anzac prefixed call signs that you ensure that digital logs are uploaded promptly. The number of QSOs generated by the WIA Anzac 100 program and now uploaded as digital files has exceeded 5,000. Meantime, the New Zealand Association of Radio Transmitters ZL100 Anzac callsign goes QRT this weekend. It looks to maximise its already substantial
4: commemorative log. International news with thanks to the IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm John Mazel's VK2 JPM. We commence international news with a timely reminder. This is the disclaimer we have and have had for close on 12 years in the text edition of WIA National News, and from time to time we read it here in the audio services. And that is, Opinions expressed in WIA News are those of the writers who submit material. They don't necessarily reflect those of the rebroadcasters, nor of the National WIA, but we broadcast the items in the spirit in which they were submitted. That's right, we at the news desk don't make up the stories, so why start with the disclaimer this week? Well, a story last week seemed to upset one or two by being quite unbelievable. I'll remind you, this was the story on the Hall thruster from NASA, something which almost sounded like the Holy Grail of perpetual motion. Some say the small lab under NASA's umbrella claims its fuelless rocket works. The thing is, according to 99.999%, it doesn't. Well, look at it this way. If you sit in a shopping cart in your local Woolies with all your limbs inside the basket, you're pretty much immobile. By thrashing around violently, you might get the cart to shift a few inches one way or the other, but unless the floor is uneven, your thrashing will typically result in no real motion. If you really want the cart to move, you have to exert a force on the outside of it, such as the floor or the wall of the store, not the inside of the cart. Well, that's a simplified version of a fundamental law of physics known as conservation of momentum. That law governs all sorts of phenomena, including rocket engines, collisions between electrons and car wrecks. It's well established by a huge number of experiments, so it's not something you can jettison lightly. Well, yet that's what this new proposed thruster is purported to do, and while no reputable physicists are taking it seriously, a small semi-independent lab under the NASA umbrella has given it an official stamp of approval. US scientist Guido Fetta built his own propellantless microwave thruster and managed to persuade NASA to test it out. The test results were presented at the 50th Joint Propulsion Conference in Ohio. Astonishingly enough, they were positive. The NASA team, based at the Johnson Space Center, gave its paper the title Anomalous Thrust Production from an RF Test Device Measured on a Low Thrust Torsion Pendulum. And with that, like when Chris Columbus proved the Earth was not flat... It's the end of this thread. Sarah Brightman has announced she's postponing her plans to launch aboard the upcoming Soyuz TMA-18M spaceflight mission expected for September. Ms Brightman said that for personal family reasons her intentions have had to change and she's postponing her cosmonaut training and flight plans at this time. Region 1 Intruder Watch say a strong Russian noise floor centred on 14.120 MHz with width of the signal covered from 13.960 to 14.260 MHz is believed to be located in Moscow and has been disturbing Nepalese emergency communications on 14.205 MHz. More is on the web in PDF format and you can pick up that address from the text version of this broadcast. The might of Thailand's military appears to have successfully defended its right to the 6-meter band. Under the original master plan proposal, 50 to 54 megahertz was to be redesignated for radio amateurs. The revised master plan instead will give hams in Thailand an additional 1 megahertz by expanding the 2-meter allocation upward to 147 megahertz, but 6 meters will remain with the military.
0: From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au.
5: Operational news on Felix, VK4FUQ, Dateline 2015. Fought with danger of announcing the expeditions early. we do learn that due to the inability of Heritage Expeditions to deliver on its earlier promise of providing a safe and supportive operation, at Heard Island using the Russian vessel. Akad. Chalovsky, things have changed. A new vessel means the schedule will require adapting team and project activities, but the major goals of the expedition remain unchanged. The nominal 21-day stay at Heard Island will still enable amateur radio using the sign VK0EK. While the radio operation is the primary goal, the team will also carry out a limited scientific program. Awards. Two more merit awards for working 45 under the Keith Roger Memorial National Parks Award have been issued. These went to Andrew Davis, VK1DA, and Tim Hahn, VK5AV, adding to the rapidly growing list of merit award recipients now at eight. Andrew, VK1DA, made his first contact with Wayne, VK3WAM, who was activating Terrick Terrick National Park in September 2011, and finished 45 on May 3 with Paul, VK5PAS, Portable 3 who was at Murray Sunset National Park. Another retriever in portable working, Amanda, VK3FQSO, alerted the pool's activation during a trip to the Riverland region. And Andrew very quickly finished working all 45 VK3 parks. Well done to Tim, VK5AB, who has submitted an eligible log for the KRMNPA Merit Award. His first KRMNPA contact was with Amateur Radio Victoria Centenary Station VK100ARV during the first KRMNPA activation weekend in November 2011. Since then, Tim VK5AV has been adding to the balance of stations slowly, but surely. Culminating in the final contact number 45 with VK3VTH in the Bendigo National Park on April 17. Special event stations DX and repeater and net device. In DX, word that dl one hrn is currently operational as 3W9HRN from Hanoi. His length of stay is not known, but activity is mainly CW on the HF bands QSL via DR1HRN his home call sign. Meldura medium wave signal is back again. The popular Mildura four hundred seventy three khz beacon is again operational, this time on a twenty four hour continuous basis while local field strength testing is being carried out. The beacon in the next couple of weeks will only be interrupted by local adverse weather such as heavy rain or lightning storms. After that test period, it's expected to return to a fixed night-time schedule. The initial series of tests, first on straight CW, then with a short run of QRSS-3, proved very successful, with over 100 reception reports. Those tests were only terminated when Null Ferguson VK3F-I decided to improve the transmitting antenna. Result? One destroyed 630-metre antenna. But thanks to assistance from Graham Kenny vk 3 FTEC. A new antenna was then assembled and finally installed. The propagation characteristics of the 630 meter band are generally known to many in the aeronautical and broadcast world, and also several amateur experimenters. The Mildura Beacon in northwest Victoria gave others the opportunity to look for the signal with less than optimum equipment, and for many it proved to be their first opportunity to receive a distant signal in the newly allocated low-frequency amateur frequency allocation. Interestingly, reception reports were received from stations using all types of antennas, reports even including one from a radio amateur using an earth dipole. Again, reception reports, even if you have previously heard the beacon, can go to vk3fi at wia.org.au. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ Inningham.
2: I'm Brian, VK3GR with Worldwide Special Interest Group News, beginning with CW. On the 12th and 13th of June, members of the Tableland Radio Group over in VK4 will be putting on a display of Morse equipment and World War II military radios at the Cooktown Historical Society in Cooktown. The display should be well noticed as it will be staged in the main street. The Historical Society building has a link to Morse. It is the original telegraph office, which was built around 1876 when a telegraph line was run through to Maytown and Palmerville. This linked up with a line which headed north from Junction Creek Telegraph Station, near the present Mount Surprise, to Tate Telegraph Station, thence Walsh Telegraph Station, near Rotham Park, and thence to Palmerville. However, for some months, a section from Walsh to Palmerville was operated by Pony Express, carrying the telegraph messages to be retransmitted each way. Worldwide Special Interest Groups IOTA, Willis Island De-Expedition, An international team of amateur radio operators hopes to activate de-expedition station VK9WA from Willis Island November 12th to 21st this year. Willis is currently number 34 on Clublog's Most Wanted list and has not been activated since 2008. The team will depart Cairns, Australia on the MV Phoenix vessel for the 30-hour trip to Willis. The island is only four acres in size and uninhabited. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ILLW, just under three months to the Lighthouse Weekend. So far, 240 registrations for the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend in August have been received from 28 countries. One of the recent registrations is Spain's Corobedo Lighthouse, that is near a large beach and a June National Park complex. Although somewhat small, it casts a very imposing view from a highly elevated position. An activation is expected under the call sign EG1LWC. In Algeria, the Cape 10's lighthouse stands tall on a headland with its square cylindrical stone tower, rising majestically from a two-storey keeper's house. It will be activated by club station Beraguaya, 7X2BDX. The fun event, the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend, is August the 15th and 16th. For its simple guidelines, past activity reports, or to make a registration online, see the dedicated website www.illw.net. To Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio, VK1 National Capital Rally. A big thank you to everyone who assisted with the rally communication in the field or headquarters. It was pleasing to see new licensees and F-Calls giving it a go. Despite some not having assisted before, the communication procedures were well followed. Although there was an experienced team in HQ, it was noticed that some of the newbies gave it a go and did really well. This Weissen event generates significant funds that go towards the club's finances, supporting repeater licences and such in VK1. That's all for me this week, VK3GR.
1: Well, from Australia's Ham Radio News, the Ham Radio News that delivers what it promises. We certainly did promise you an in-depth look at the WIA AGM. And thanks to Brian and Roger, Jim Linton and the team... Thank you very much for that in-depth look. On the social scene, the date claimer, May 29, and all are welcome to the WIA South Australia Annual General Meeting. This will be held Friday evening the 29th from 7.30 at the Tranmere Sea Scout Hall. Bob Stevenson from SA Emergency Management will give a presentation. Then supper will be served, allowing for discussion and catch-up. After being well-fed, the AGM will be held. Weiss and South Australia have received donations, purchased radios and obtained repeater frequencies this financial year. The equipment has been used by Saveem for two weeks after the Samson Flat bushfire. In addition, the equipment and amateur radio volunteers assisted Venturer scouts at car rallies, horse trials, the Anzac Vigil in the south, a True Grit and conducted displays with the CFS. Please consider assisting in the continuing expansion of Weissen SA by nominating for a committee position. June five to seven in VK four Central Highlands Amateur Radio Club and Teresa Creek Camp Out at Claremont, june six and seven VK two Queen's Birthday fortieth annual Oxley Region Field Day, and june six and seven in VK five the fifty first Southeast Radio Group Convention and the Australian Fox Hunting Championship. Now, till next we meet, I'm Graham VK for Baker Baker. Walk softly.
0: From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24 7 at wia.org.au.